This is MJ. I'm an author, I'm an artist, I'm an analyzer. You can find all my work at mjmunoz.com. Welcome to Red Panda Report, where I talk about and analyze episodes of The Red Panda, which is inspired by The Shadow and other serial characters. He's Canada's greatest superhero, and you can find every episode of Red Panda at dakotaringtheater.com, your address to adventure. So, this is episode 10 of red panda adventures that i'm going to be talking about it's called the ghost ship and here's the copy written for it uh a cargo ship hopelessly lost in the fog from out of the darkness comes an eerie glow brimming with it no sorry bringing with it an impossible specter from the past and disaster again and again the terrifying scene is played out until the city can bear the attacks no more our heroes take to the water to bring this menace to an end, but can even the Red Panda solve the mystery of the ghost ship? Which I think is great. And uh, again, I believe that's written by Greg Taylor, who's the writer and director of this episode, uh, which was originally published, released, whatever, on May 13th, 2006. And here we go. I'm going to go ahead and start talking about this episode. So there was an interesting thing in the beginning where... Uh, Red Panda, in his civilian form, <laughs> or his civilian identity, showed up at a meeting of some of the city's wealthiest men, where, uh, along with Police Chief O'Malley, where they were talking about these ghost ship attacks slash robberies or whatever, and it puts him on the right path to figuring out that this is some sort of heist that's going on in the guise of a ghost ship attack or... I don't know, hunting or whatever. Um, so that's pretty interesting. And we get shortly after... So this, the episode actually starts with... Uh, it starts on a ship. It reminds me of the Shadow episode called Sabotage, which is one of the episodes that I did a review of uh, in discuss, or you know, in the run-up to the official launch of Red Panda Report. I did all these bonus episodes and special episodes where I talked about key, not key, but like some fun special episodes of The Shadow radio serial all the way back from the 1930s uh, that this very much takes, you know, the form of or is inspired by, like I mentioned earlier. And it was really interesting. And uh, this is this distinguishes itself from that in that it's not specifically sabotage or a sabotage uh, ring or, uh, or spree that is taking place and there's no I'm there's a little bit of a similar vibe but it's definitely its own episode and I wouldn't accuse Taylor of uh, stealing or anything like that it's just it's very much inspired by which is not a problem and uh, the you know there are a lot of distinctions that set them apart from each other so I mean even if the core idea is the same well yeah it's man versus man isn't it uh, it's it's crime versus uh, you know criminals versus you know innocent people um, who are having their property rights violated and uh sorry and uh it's interesting because th there is this theme that i will get to later because i want to focus on the beginning of the episode uh we start off in the ships with the attacks happening or the ghost you know the hauntings happening whatever you want to call it and then we have the meeting of the men and then it transitions into uh on a ship well i, I think i can't remember if red paint and flying squirrel were talking or not or if it went right into them being on a ship and then they have a discussion afterwards about how they got in there 
I think that's what it was. But regardless, uh, there's this neat trans uh, transition of them going onto the ship, and then uh, Red Panda introduces himself as Mr. Simmons, who's an insurance auditor, insurance agent type person, who's investigating uh, what is going on with these ships and what this haunting thing is. And he gives his name as Simmons, and I thought, ah, is this another instance where we're getting a red herring or a fake name for... Uh, Simmons, or will we learn someday, perhaps, maybe, the Red Panda's real name, and it'll be Simmons. I don't know, or maybe it will be Simon something. You, you never know. Um, and that might be something I keep track of, although it might just be something I poke fun at and play around with as time goes on and we hear different aliases used by that marvelous mass mystery man. So, again, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with that, but I thought that was an interesting detail. Uh, also, there... I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I think I'll save talking about the villain group for last, because... It isn't a haunting. Uh, not that there couldn't be hauntings in the Red Pandas universe, at least that we know of so far, but he definitely is skeptical of it being a haunting and he suspects it's some other thing. So I'm gonna talk about uh, the tech and devices that they had. Uh, Red Panda mentioned, so he's carrying a ridiculous amount of gas grenades and gas canisters. So I would assume one gas grenade covers a certain area and a gas canister would cover several more three four times the amount of a of a grenade but regardless we don't get that specific detail but we know he's carrying i think maybe a dozen total uh, gas ordinances or gas rounds uh, on his person in his coats of his uh you know his billowy trench coat and whatnot and the flying squirrel makes mention of that and she says hey you know i don't have all the room that you have uh, and he says, well, why don't you wear the utility belt that I got you? And this is a kind of a cute moment between them. She says, it makes me look hippie. And uh, I don't think he comments on that, but uh, it's kind of a funny moment between the two of them. And it tips off that he has made her a utility belt that she is not yet wearing. I believe she definitely embraces that utility belt at some point later on. I can think of a specific episode uh, maybe in season two where she's got to have it because she has too many weapons and gadgets on her to not have it um, So it's kind of cool to, to hear how her suits evolved or how her equipment has evolved uh, You know through the story uh, another point of evolution of their tech and suits and gadgets is that they have specially made underwater versions of their costumes, which apparently Red Panda still has a trench coat with it, so I don't know what makes it underwater. Maybe it's moisture wicking so all the water, you know, comes off of it really easily or something like that for them to infiltrate or, you know, skulk about and not leave a bunch of, uh, you know, water behind or who knows what. Maybe it uses the wonderful power of static electricity to repel the water or eliminate the water once they've gotten wet or once they're out of the water. I don't know could be interesting thing to go into but they have you know different these different suits so that's kind of cool and then one more thing i think this is the last tech or gadget item uh red panda has a miniature portable set of navigational equipment which i don't know if in the 30s they would have had that that would have been a common thing uh but he definitely has it and he brought it with him in the ship and he speculates that whatever's messing with the navigational equipment on the ship is probably messing with his too because he doesn't see anything wrong with it according to the uh, equipment that he's brought with him. So um, that's pretty interesting. And let me see, is there another element to talk about with the lore here? I don't think, I can't think of anything with the lore except for in this episode, as we explore the villains, we get a very vague hint of who they are and what they are. And I think from a meta perspective, because we know that this is in the 30s before. Uh, World War II had begun uh, before 
uh, you know, the I think the I think the rise of the Nazi Party was only a couple of years before World War II actually started, but I could be wrong. It could have been up to a decade. I don't know. Um, yeah, I know it's kind of a, a complicated mess because they're you know they're the National Socialist Party, and they you know become fascistic, which means that they want to integrate uh, the government into private industry, which you know that's what socialists want too. They want uh, it's just these weird. It's just weird. You can have. Uh, you can have socialists and authoritarians who are both uh, interested in, or who who can both be fascistic. I guess is the the point I'm trying to say. So uh, you know, there's an authoritarian dimension to either of them, and you can either be all about the people, or you can all be all about the state. But either way, you make everybody bow to the big, uh, you know, single unit leader or oligarchs that keep the system in check to, you know, do the will of the people, so to speak. But anyway, I don't want to get into that right now. But, uh, you know, and Red Panda calls it out specifically saying, like, I don't know if you guys are uh, fascists or... I can't, I can't remember what he says. Did you see fascist socialists or garden variety nut jobs? I think I think I remember that part. But um, anyway, he's saying he's not sure what their affiliation is, but they have snazzy uniforms, which everybody loves the, the Nazi uniforms, right? as well as their guns and their tanks and stuff. Very well-designed, very uh, well-crafted stuff used for absolute utter evil and, uh, you know, garbage intention. But anyway, you can still admire the quality of craftsmanship, I say. Uh, and anyway, he makes that remark, which makes me think these are proto-Nazis, but I'm not sure, and I don't think it's ever specifically identified, except there is a character later who is definitely a... not a cutout for, but he's an agent of... Hitler and the Nazi party, basically, and, uh, yeah, just spoilers, Nazis definitely become a big thing in Red Panda, so if you like Nazi punching and whatnot, then, uh, you know, strap in, because that's gonna satisfy you for sure. <clears throat> but anyway, there's subtle hints to what these guys are, and we don't quite know. Their tactic is quite clever, and I won't spoil it for you, you should listen to the episode instead to learn exactly what these guys are doing, uh, but I think it's pretty cool, of course, you know, in a cool mode of still murder, kind of way but anyway that's that's fun um let me see what else there wasn't really anything that detracted me from this except for maybe kit was a little too obvious oh okay now i remember a couple other things maybe kit was a little too obvious because she was happy to be locked into a small room like a broom closet or something with red panda for an hour or two and uh i mean he either doesn't know she's dropping hints or saying little flirtatious things or he's ignoring it. I can't quite tell which because we do get him telling her Kit Baxter behave yourself in this episode and then most episodes and sometimes it's about something a little uh, cutesy with them and sometimes it's not. It just kind of depends on the, the circumstance. So anyway, there was, oh, I think I kind of want to wrap up. Um, I talked about the tech and gadgets. I talked about bad. So that was kind of a bad moment. A good moment. Uh, I don't know. It's almost uh, there was almost a little meta thing where I felt like the show was kind of making fun of itself and its its uh, its cohorts because a kid at one point asks Red Panda, "You're just making this up as you go along, aren't you?" And he says, "Exactly." And then they execute their plan, which is pretty funny. Oh, which reminds me, yes. So they did use the gas grenades 
And he seemed to have broken one of his rules, which is telling a bad guy what the powers are, because he said, hey, we're immune to our own knockout gas. And he kind of says that mockingly and victoriously as he knows this guy's going out, but people shouldn't know that. And I think this might be the second time that it was brought up. I believe it was brought up with Dr. Um, uh, Professor Zombie, but it may not have been. Regardless, that's one of the things they're not supposed to do and they're doing it here. So I guess some people believe rules are made to be broken or yeah, made to be broken, which I think is silly, but you know, whatever. Uh, the other thing was Kit slipped up and called herself Kit when she was known as Sally instead. And she had to tell the whoever it was that discovered that, uh, that it was just a nickname that she couldn't get to uh, go away. So kind of interesting. Anyway, overall, good episode. Kind of a simple episode. A little bit more like subdued, but also it, it had a lot of interesting things in it. Um, but definitely not as action-packed as like a Professor Zombie episode might be or a, a Mad Monkey, just to mention somebody who will come out come into the show later on. So anyway, that's uh, all I have to say for now. Uh, again, I like this. It was fun. Uh, I would say I'd give it like a, I don't know, like a 6 or 7, 6.5 out of 10. There's lots of other Red Panda episodes that are a lot better, but it wasn't bad. So, uh, I mean, you, you can't always be perfect, but it's all good. And if it, in fact, does tie into the Nazi stuff later, it's definitely cool that that was being set up from Season 1, which I believe it was. So, anyway, with that, I'm going to ask or hope that you would be well and tell you that this is MJ signing out. I hope you enjoyed that. Go to mjmunoz.com to leave any questions, comments, or other feedback you might have. There you can find all of my analysis, art, and fiction. I cover books, tokusatsu, comic books, anime, and more. Look around. You're sure to find something else that you'll enjoy as well. This has been a Story Over Everything production.